now plugged in to the Delphi Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Tommy. Welcome back to the Delphi Podcast. Today I have my co-host John Girl from Delphi Ventures and we are joined by Orkin of Citria. Orkin, how's it going? Yeah, hi Tommy. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, we're really excited to host you, Orkin. So you're uh, the co-founder of Citria, which is Bitcoin's first ZK rollup. We're excited to be investors and we're really amped to dive into the story. I think we should just get started with a bit of, bit of your background and a bit about you. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm actually the co-founder and CEO of Chainway Labs, the company building Citrea. Uh, Citrea, like you said, is the Bitcoin's first ZK rollup. Uh, we were working on it for around a year and we recently announced our everything documentation and the uh, community channels. And I'm also an engineer. Uh, I contribute to the code as well, uh, but I do mostly the execution and business parts of Chainway Labs. Uh, before Chainway, I was working as a smart contract developer, uh, almost on EVM chains. Chainmail Labs previously built two other products uh, since we co-founded it. Uh, one was on privacy, uh, proof of innocence, and the other was on Ordinal's wallet, Ordinal Safe. And right now we are building Citra and uh, we are very excited to lead the Bitcoin L2 and Bitcoin rollup space. So Orkin, I think one of the key questions just to set the foundation is Bitcoin is obviously the largest asset in our space. Historically, it's been really hard to build a top of Bitcoin given the design, but you guys are sort of building despite that, right? You're opening up that entire landscape of creativity and innovation. How, at a very high level sort of elevator pitch, are you making that possible? Because historically, you know, this wasn't doable. Yeah. So there was a couple of like upgrades, uh, soft forks happened on Bitcoin in the last couple of years. For example, five years, there was like SegWit. Then after that, there was Taproot upgrades. And this opened a new design space for Bitcoin, actually, especially like Taproot with TapScript. That was like possible to have multiple spam pads, but they all remain private until you reveal it on chain. And this basically opened up a new design space. And after that, there was uh, Ornos protocol, which basically embeds data into Bitcoin transactions and people can keep track of that data off chain so that it's kind of meta protocol. It is not something conceptually new. But it allowed us to have like four megabyte transactions like a wizard JPEG inscribed on Bitcoin. And after, I think, Ornus protocol, lots of developers uh, came back to Bitcoin. Uh, they realized that, okay, people are building something new. People are building new meta protocols like BRC20s and other token standards. So maybe we should do something here. Around that time, we realized the UX uh, issue and we made it to build Ornal Safe, the first, one of the first uh, Ornals wallets. Then we realized, okay, we know ZK well, we know Bitcoin script well. What if we can create a meta protocol that actually leverages uh, ZK proofs to enable more compression and uh, performance? During that time, there was no BTVM, so there is no like con actual contracts on Bitcoin scripts. But we started developing it. Uh, and uh, late last year, Robin Linus, a like, great researcher and uh, builder in Bitcoin space, released a paper called BTVM. It basically allows you to have an off-chain VM that is also on-chain provable with fraud proofs. Uh, and after that, I think Bitcoin, I think it is the best thing that is found on Bitcoin uh, space for the last five years, I can say. So basically, we are leveraging it to verify ZK proofs on the base layer. Uh, this enabled the first rollup on Bitcoin, Citrea. That's really helpful awesome. work. And John, I think maybe if you could rehash in your own words too, I think that'd be really helpful. And then we could dive into the technical side as well. Yeah, of course. So actually, like when I kind of first 
came across Citria. It was around the time, like, like I've actually seen recently, like many Bitcoin L2s, not only Citria, but Citria was definitely the first one that I've really dived deep into its stack. And like the question that I asked myself was also like, why all of a sudden, like we're now talking about Bitcoin L2s? Like that was the first question I wanted to answer before even like understanding what how Citria works, etc. And I think like based on my research and like what Orkin said here, there have been like two kind of core um, primitives that laid the foundation for Bitcoin L2s and specifically rollups to be viable. And the first one is like is inscriptions, which Orkin just walked through its background, but like TLDR is, is they allow arbitrary data to be posted on Bitcoin in an affordable manner. Previously, data capacity was was a lot more limited in Bitcoin and and inscriptions uh, kind of expanded that and, and thereby reduced the costs of posting data. And then the second breakthrough was BitVM. And with that breakthrough, now you can run arbitrary programs that can uh, ultimately be secured by Bitcoin. I'm sure we're going to dive more deep into what BitVM is, but in the context of rollups, what BitVM promised is that rollups can now have a trust minimized bridge to and from the Bitcoin layer one. So like to summarize, two kind of primitives have enabled this like Bitcoin L2 craze. Yeah, I agree. Or like with all the different uh, L2s, I mean, we're going to dive into Citria more, but like there are lots of Bitcoin L2s right now. And like most of them, when you look at their technical like documents, they have very little like technical details and explain that they, f- they feel kind of scammy. Uh, to be honest, in my opinion, like this imposes a risk to the whole like Bitcoin L2 space. If one of these scammy ones like kind of becomes viral, and a lot of people lose money, then I think people can lose interest in, in the whole like Bitcoin L2 space. What do you think people should do, pay attention to when they evaluate like legitimacy of these projects and, and their claims? Yeah, unfortunately, there is like some meta going around that everyone deploys some Bitcoin L2. There's like, uh, before that, there was some definition of Bitcoin L2, but today everyone calling it uh, like their project Bitcoin L2. They basically just, for example, deploy some side chain or they deploy a rollup on some other chain like Ethereum or Polygon, then they just build a multi-sig bridge, then they call themselves Bitcoin L2. Unfortunately, like you said, this is a huge risk for users. So in order to mitigate this, for example, in our like launch and all the other stuff, we are very clear about the risks and we are very clear about the technical specs of the product. Obviously, like we sometimes change things, we sometimes pivot many things, uh, but we are all, always clear in our documentation and also our community channels like Discord. So for example, we are doing an office hour this week, yeah, it will be like previous weeks, but we are doing an office hour to explain Citra to people. I think this is the one important thing that people should care if they see some, for example, documentation that is copy pasted from our documentation or other like legit projects documentation, then they should be aware of probably there's going some scam going on. And also there are several informative channels uh, recently created, for example, documenting Bitcoin rollups. It is an open source project by Ian uh, from Espresso Systems. He is maintaining uh, the, all the web page open source. Yeah, and if you want to contribute, you can contribute. He basically builds a Bitcoin version of L2Beat. I think these kind of resources are very helpful for new users that is not maybe technically uh, capable to evaluate all the details. So they can refer that. For example, Eric Wall does some very interesting things on Twitter, says interesting things about Bitcoin L2s. So he might be an another source. 
basically you should only care about like people that understands that they can can tell you truths or otherwise you must read all the documentations and code to understand the underlying tech but with like podcasts like this we want to enable everyone to understand the technology right very good points especially i like that you refer to the l2 beat version of bitcoin i'm pretty sure it will be very useful for a lot of users why don't we start with the basics like you're building a roll-up and previously you know infra on on bitcoin was pretty much uh, limited to side chains and then maybe some drive chains as well in your own words let's start with the basics like fundamental differences between these constructions yeah sure before the state like you said we all saw only side chains for example there were like regular side chains like rootstock and stacks as bitcoin already have like some compute capacity and compute limitations in Bitcoin script, you basically cannot validate what is happening outside the Bitcoin. From like outside the Bitcoin, from an L2, you can read the Bitcoin because there's like some header. How do rollups differ from these constructions? Chain going on and you have trustless access to that because you anchor your blocks here. Okay, that's fine, but Bitcoin doesn't know anything about the outside chain. This is the main limitation of side chains. If you want to build some bridge, you can store BTC in some multisig, but that multisig doesn't know anything about the sidechain and L2, so that they can steal the money. So there is some threshold, for example, there is like 60% or 70% threshold that can steal the money, move the funds from the actual treasury. So this was a one problem, and Rollups basically solved this by computing everything in a provable manner. This is either a fraud proof or a ZK proof. So basically in Citrea, every single transaction and every single signature, every single nonce, every single balance is computed inside of the ZK virtual machine. So that in the end, you have a single proof that anyone can trustlessly verify and say that, okay, all of these computation was correct. So with this, now we can embed this proof into Bitcoin and we can enable two things. One, we can publish this proof into Bitcoin as description so that people can read trustlessly by just looking at their Bitcoin node and validate. And other, we can encode a ZK verifier, ZKP verifier in BitVM so that Bitcoin itself can also read the proof and validate it optimistically. So these two approaches enabled us to have 100% threshold multisigs. Basically, if any party can put some fraud proof saying that this computation was incorrect, then they can prevent money from stealing. This is a huge security improvement over the existing constructions like sidechains. And like you said, drive chains, it's a pending proposal. It doesn't get accepted or it doesn't get implemented on Bitcoin and I don't think it will be. But it basically enshrines a multisig process inside the uh, protocol with miners. But it is still not near rollups because it doesn't validate the sidechain. It basically just allows miners to vote on multisig but it doesn't validate anything. So I think rollups and obviously channels like Lightning and also Plasma constructions, which I don't think there is any production Plasma construction, but these are the only trustless and trust me in my solutions that you can get. And within the current Bitcoin's limitations and BitVM, we can enable trust minimized rollups on Bitcoin. Right. So basically your vision here is, if I can put it into my own words, anyone that runs a Bitcoin node, that should be enough to, to verify what happens on, on Citria and to verify the integrity of Citria transactions, basically, without relying on any other trust assumptions. Would, that, would you agree with that definition? Yeah, definitely. If you have a Bitcoin node, you don't need any other peer-to-peer -peer network to validate and verify Citria, for example. 
Awesome. I think it's it's kind of time to unpack the the BitVM part a bit because it's a very crucial part of Citrea. First of all, like how did BitVM came into existence and like what it is at a high level for people that are unfamiliar because it's a very recent kind of primitive. Could you explain to us like how it came into existence and like what's so unique about it or the functionality that it provides to Bitcoin? Yeah. So before this date, there was only four megabytes of scripts that can you execute on Bitcoin. So it is quite limited and you don't have, for example, multiplication, you don't have like loops and other any other thing. So four megabytes, you cannot do any like realistic computation in four megabytes. So what Robin Linus realized that, okay, there was some taproot upgrade happened two years ago. Uh, and with this upgrade, you can basically create a Merkle tree of scripts so that you can reveal any of them to spend the money and then uh, put some witness into the stack so that Bitcoin script can uh, spend that money, that UTXO. And he merged this concept, the like Merkleized script concept with signature schemes like Lampor uh, schemes and like other uh, signature schemes also applies this as well. So basically we are creating a program and encode it with multiple chunks of Bitcoin scripts and put it into different leaves of this Merkle tree of scripts. And there is two party creates a common UTXO, which we call like funding UTXO or commitment UTXO. So there are one prover and one verifier. They basically agree on some off-chain program. This is similar to like ZK circuits verifying key. There is some off-chain program that both parties agree. Then they encode this program into Bitcoin script using multiple Merkle leaves. And they fund that UTXO and the BitVM basically starts. After that point, the prover gives some off-chain inputs and outputs to the verifier. And if verifier also gets the same output with the same input, then they just co-sign the transaction and move the UTXO around. This is the optimistic case. So in the optimistic case, there is no on-chain footprint. This is nice for Bitcoin. But if in any case, a verifier cannot get the data from operator or can get different output with the same input, then operator realized that, okay, there is some fault going on here. So it basically goes to Bitcoin chain and creates some transactions and forces prover to reveal some input data. And if during that data reveal process, if prover lies, then uh, verifier can basically slash the prover's collateral so that everything is safe. The funding UTXO, the coming UTXO becomes the verifier's UTXO. This is basically how BitVM works. There's some off-chain computer, off-chain VM happening. And if there is a fault, then on-chain VM basically slashes the faulty party. But if there is no fault going on, then everything is in the happy path. There is no on-chain footprint. They just co-sign the transaction and everything happens in a natural way. Okay, so I'm going to try to summarize some of what you said, and you can correct me if, if I'm wrong here. So first of all, as far as I understand, it doesn't require any changes to the Bitcoin protocol. Is that correct? Yes, it doesn't require any change to Bitcoin network. It just okay. works today. It just works today. So it, it is a primitive that allows, like through some fancy cryptography, which, which I'm going to simplify it as a fancy cryptography, but it, what it does is that it allows you to run arbitrary programs that can be executed off-chain, but same program can be executed by many parties. And if one of the parties don't agree with the result of the execution, they can raise a challenge. And the challenge is effectively settled and run on Bitcoin blockchain. Would that be a good summary? Yes, it doesn't require any change to Bitcoin network. So the trust assumption you get is like what roll-up you know, researchers typically call one of N trust assumptions, where like you only need one honest party 
within the participants of this BitVM program in order to make sure that everything is kind of works as intended. Yeah, that's correct. So this BitVM, like I said, is signed by two people, but a single operator can sign this program with, let's say, 100 verifiers. And if the operator wants to move some UTXO, then either every operator, every verifier must agree on the inputs and outputs, then it is the happy case. And if any of them recognize a fault, like get some different output with the same input, they can basically reveal some on-chain transactions to select the prover. We basically encode all the off-chain VM into on-chain, but executing it on-chain is very uh, expensive. So we just reveal some of the scripts to create an interactive uh, fraud-proof verification game. Right. And so this interactive fraud-proof verification is used specifically for the Bitcoin bridge. Uh, am I understanding that correct? In, in Citria, I mean. In your case yeah in, in the citrus context we basically so this computer has some limitations uh for example i must simplify this but uh, there's some things we call steps which is every single execution step in a some virtual machine and you get some on-chain transaction number the maximum on-chain transaction number depending on the length of this uh, execution step so we need to keep the execution step shorter and this is why the initial implementation of bitvm supports 4 billion execution cycles. This is some technical term, but basically 4 billion is also not something like huge or you can build anything. But what we can do is we can create a ZK proof verifier in that 4 billion cycle so that we have an infinite compute. We can build any ZK circuits and we can verify any ZK proof using that verifier that we built inside the BitVM. So we basically did this. We built a growth 16 verifier in BitVM so that uh, you can verify any ZK proof on BitVM. And we have a bridge settlement program, which is a ZK circuit that verifies the aggregated Citria proofs and the withdrawals Bitcoin SPV proofs, so that anyone can authorize that this is the latest canonical Citria proof, and these are the all the valid withdrawals. This is uh, executed in BitVM and proved in, in BitVM so that there is no fault can bat through this bridge. Got it. I've seen in Twitter that like some of the people were kind of confused with this construction because it is kind of a nuanced construction in the sense that you are a ZK rollup, like the execution of the VM is basically proven by ZK proofs, which are posted on Bitcoin. But then you also run a bridge to import and export the BTCD asset from Bitcoin layer one. And the bridge that you run is powered by BitVM, which makes it an optimistic bridge, right? And so effectively, to summarize, Citria would be a ZK rollup running an optimistic bridge, uh, which is like kind of confusing, but it sits at, a, at an interesting spot in that sense. Yeah, do you want me to go like full technical or should I keep things simple? I think we can <laughs> we can keep things simple. I have, I have more questions for you here. Uh, okay. the, the so what you said is basically correct. Uh, there is a CK proofs for all the execution, but the settlement happens optimistically once in several months so that we can have Bitcoin bridge in an affordable and efficient manner. Okay. Uh, when you say the settlement happens once in several months, what's the implications of that? Yeah, in optimistic case, there is like, uh, for example, in, let's say, Ethereum, I think the settlement happens once in like several days uh, or seven days set for for like optimistic rollups because you basically put some data and wait for people to react and there is some challenge response game going. But Bitcoin doesn't have relativity in that sense. So everything must be 
pre-signed and pre-signs must be absolute. And uh, in the like 4 billion execution cycle, you can get at most like 38 or something transaction to resolve a dispute. And as we pre-sign it, this dispute resolution can take several months. So in order to make bridge work correctly, we are only settling, for example, once in a six month so that there is no like confusion going on during the fraud proof settlement process. But this doesn't affect end users because the bridge works like this. You put some withdrawal request on the L2, then once it is finalized, proof is finalized on the L1, basically operators covers your costs and gives you the money, then later claims it on the BitVM bridge. So that in the optimistic case, you are not waiting any longer than like finalization. But in the pessimistic case, obviously, if operator is not online or is not cooperative, then you need to wait six months of settlement. But we don't think this, this is going to happen because if one of the verifier among the committee is honest, you eventually get your money. And in the optimistic case, you are not waiting at all. Okay, so basically the construction works similar to how rollups function on Ethereum today. Like there is a seven-day withdrawal period, but nobody waits seven days effectively. It's because there is always some party that wants to front you liquidity, trading off sort of the cost of lending that money to you and waiting for seven days to be reimbursed, right? And then, then they charge a fee for this. Yeah, basically no one uses the canonical bridges, yeah. Right. So th- that part uh, I'm, I'm quite familiar with. Uh, the part that kind of is new to me that you raised now is the pessimistic case where there is a challenge and that challenge has to be settled. And what you're saying is uh, this challenge can take months to settle. Could you elaborate on like the actual reasons for why settlement takes that much time? Yes. Yeah, so for example, in today Ethereum's optimistic rollup, you basically, for example, let's say a verifier puts a challenge and if operator gives a response in one second, then you can challenge again, right? This is the Ethereum right. construction because Ethereum has smart contracts so that you can record all these things happening and you can immediately uh, response and answer. But in Bitcoin, we are emulating this with pre-signed transactions on BitVM. So basically all the operators and verifiers pre-sign a series of transactions to enable this challenge response game cooperatively. So while signing that, you cannot know whether when an operator will react to response and when a verifier will react with challenge. So you basically leave seven days for each single step. Right. So it's a, it's a very slow, interactive verification game. Yes, it is gotcha. static, slow, interactive game. So we need to make bridge settlement longer than a maximum possible challenge response time. So it is in six months. Gotcha. So what we have here is basically, we mentioned that it's it's a one of N kind of trust assumption with the bridge. If, if any of the parties involved is being honest, no one can steal the Bitcoin, which is pretty close to being trustless and hence it's called trust minimized settlement. I wonder two things. One, uh, when we say the one of N, the N, can it become permissionless in the sense that like, can anyone join this N set of parties? And how large can N really grow for this construction to remain feasible? Yeah, good questions, I, I need to say. So you ask several different things. I will start with the one. This set is not dynamic, so it is static. You basically predetermine all the participants. There is two reasons for that. We don't have any covenants yet. So if we have some covenant opcode introduced in Bitcoin, like CTV or TXH, we can enable this dynamic construction. But there's a drawback here. If you enable this dynamic construction, this means that anyone with a little stake can 
force the bridge to like go into a challenge response game that can take months. Eventually, attacker right. loses so they can... its money, but it can be create a spam attack, right? Right. They can they can gr- grieve the system. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't want to do that, and we think that this advancement, the one of N, is already like huge security improvement over the, all the existing multisigs. So we are currently fine with it. Uh, but in the future, we are looking ways to open it up. And your next question was, what is the limit for the ad? Realistically, it is like there is no limit, but you you need to sign lots of off-chain transactions, pre-signed transactions. So the data size probably grows uh, like quadratically, maybe. So we need to keep it simple. But what we came with like some solution here, it is not, we are not sure about it. But the one possible solution is basically create a BTVM contract between a verifier and a new set of verifiers. So if instead of everyone being a verifier into a single BitVM, we can build a simple BitVM, then we can build a more complex BitVM around a verifier so that new verifiers can challenge a verifier for not putting a fraud. This also makes the system secure. This is some alternative way to think about it, but we are not 100% sure about the implications and we haven't built anything about it yet. I mean, it's tough to be pioneer in in some of these like very innovative solutions. Yeah, uh, yeah it's like it's yeah, cutting edge technology. I think. Generally, what is the consensus around the like Bitcoin research community around like the feasibility of BitVM powered solutions in in practice? Like, obviously, trust assumptions is like super important. That that's why we're like talking about this in, in the first place. But there are also other like considerations, right? Like, there's costs. There's UX, there's like, as you mentioned, like the, the long challenge period durations. And finally, like last but not least, there is also risks of software bugs. And all these factors like are important factors that effectively make BitVM make or break, right? And in practice, like, does it become actually adopted? And like, does it become the go-to kind of primitive that everybody uh, uses to, to build cool stuff on Bitcoin? Or, you know, there's another... You know, alternative paths, you know, we've seen many different primitives also being hyped and like a lot of people excited about them, but really like disappointed traction of them has disappointed. Like, for example, for me, Light- Lightning Network was, was one of them, right? It was like, I mean, some of the Bitcoiners can be upset with me now, but for the longest time, it has been like the, this this promised solution for everything, but yeah, uh, the, the the adoption of it has been disappointing. So I wonder, like, is BitVM in this stage where like there are question marks around this feasibility, or generally do are people kind of more confident over its abilities over like a historical other kind of technological primitives? Yeah. So my point is like, or obvious like the end goal for us to have a zk verification on the base layer so we get rid of all these like inefficient things and all the like security trust assumptions so that we can directly verify citray on bitcoin this is the end goal for us definitely just to point out like when you mean zk verification on the base layer you're not referring to to bitvm you're referring to like no. bitcoin l1 actually having an opcode to to verify yes. zk yes yeah okay. yes that's correct if we have like some kind of ZK verification, obviously this is very hypothetical and there's no BIP or such, but uh, hypothetically, if we had this kind of opcode, then we don't need to propose any other BIP anymore. Like there's no need for new opcode BIPs. Basically, you can build everything in circuit and prove on chain. This is some advice, advancements and obviously this makes it fully trustless. But besides that, I think BTVM is huge improvement over the existing solutions. Yes, it is inefficient in that sense you 
sign like large amount of transactions off chain you store them some off chain and there is there needs to be some coordination between operators and verifiers and in the pessimistic case you wait too long yes these are the like shortcomings but it is in any ways it is better than multisix uh, i do think uh, this is the fact yeah lightning is another subject i i'm also like disappointed seeing it uh, failing to like what it promised uh, but besides that, for a programmable, like global universal tools like Citrea that can have some sort of programmability, Turing complete programmability, BitVM is the best solution so far. And hopefully in the future, we will have full trustless construction with some ZKP verification uh, as an opcode in Dalva. Yeah, and, and the immediate use case for it is definitely to bridge BTC, the asset, in a, in a trust-minimized way. Like, uh, that's a very obvious kind of immediate use case of BitVM. So I'm, like, very excited to to see how this will all work out in practice. One thing that that, that came to my mind just now as you speak is, is the consequences of, like, a pessimistic case. So specifically, I wonder when, let's say I, I, I'm a user, I bridge my BTC to Citrea through using the, the BitVM powered bridge and I want to withdraw, but like my withdrawal request is being censored or just, you know, I'm not able to get my Bitcoin. So somebody raises a challenge and that challenge will settle in, in like, let's say uh, four or six months from now. So that's when I will get my Bitcoin back. But does that also mean all of the applications on Citria also halt or would Citria chain continue uh, to progress? And this like settlement only refers to the the Bitcoin withdrawals. Yeah, in a technical sense, we believe that a rollup represents the sum of two things. One is the bridge and other is the full nodes and the rest of the blockchain. So for the assets originated from the L1, you are very dependent on the BTVM. So for the BTC withdrawals, uh, the settlements um, must need to happen on the Bitcoin so that we can enable withdrawals. But for the rest of the assets and the execution environments, we can just keep post the data to Bitcoin and full nodes can read from Bitcoin and give have some confirmation of, over this execution. So we don't need to wait that settlement time if we are just operating on the Citra and trust that uh, know the correct result and we know that any of the validators will challenge the false thing and it will be settled at some point. So Citra doesn't get halt, it just works uh, as correctly. It only affects the withdrawals, but as it is already six months long, uh, the settlement times, withdrawals are not directly affected also because it will get settled in six months anyways. Right, right. Okay, so I guess the result of that settlement can also be played quite fast off-chain. It's just that the Bitcoin itself has to wait for that long. Yeah, in the optimistic case, Bitcoin doesn't need to wait at, at all. We just pre-sign some transactions, co-sign some transactions with all the verifiers and operators, then everything is done. Gotcha. I want to also talk a bit about the data throughput that Citria can kind of attain, right? I know a clever kind of design decision of Citria has been to post state diffs instead of transaction data. So that kind of reduces the data that needs to be posted on Bitcoin per like every Citria transaction. Could you maybe help us? Like, do you have any rough estimates uh, to, to quantify these numbers? Like what levels of throughput can Citria promise us? And like what kind of annual data cost that would result into? Uh, some, yeah. some rough figures, if you have any, would be helpful. Yeah, it is like extremely hard to uh, think about the cost if we are using state diffs because it purely depends on the usage, right? 
if you use same Uniswap pool again and again and again, there's only one state, the, uh, the actual state between the end of the start state. So in that sense, I like there is no uh, exact estimate, but we sampled some of the Ethereum blocks and applied to our system and generated some state diff and compressed it just exactly across the schedule of the Citrea. And in that sense, if we do, for example, 40 TPS for over 10 minutes, uh, then we are still be below the Bitcoin block size limit. So this is, uh, I think, from a Bitcoin base, this is, I think, around 10x or 9x improvements. Uh, and on top of that, uh, we are planning to implement volition model, which basically can use, people can choose their DA layer while deploying their contract, but everything will be in the same context. There won't be like L3s or L4s, but there will be only an L2, which some parts the data will keep kept on chain uh, and some parts will be kept off chain and contract owners will have, have a right to choose it. So in that sense, we can support like, well, to unlimited TPS uh, in theory, like around 1000 TPS is uh, nothing that we cannot like, uh, do with volition model. And it will still have Bitcoin security because all the contacts will still get ZK approval. So in that sense, it will support some improvements over Bitcoin uh, when it's launched, but for over the years, it will outperform even like all the other Altel ones. Pretty cool. Let's switch all gears to, the, I mean, aside from like technicals, there are also like other factors that will play into Citria's success. Like two of them that comes to mind is like the developer ecosystem and uh, time to market. Like Citria will be an EVM compatible rollup. And so I think that will play a, a big factor in attracting a large uh, audience potentially. But would you like to share some of the considerations that you're making in how do you intend to like bootstrap developers over ecosystem and applications on Citrea? Yeah, implementing a ZK EVM was a like no brainer for us because I, I have like huge respect for like Solana VM and Move VM, but I do think EVM, even though it's shortcomings, is the most battle tested and secure one so far. So I know that like the Move VM is some kind of auditability over EVM, and but EVM secured billions of dollars up to date. Uh, and it's already secures the full Ethereum blockchain, which is like the largest chain uh, at the moment uh, after Bitcoin. So uh, we use EVM for that. The one is security and the other is obviously developer tooling and developer ecosystem. Uh, like you are talking about incentives and how we can make people deploy on Citrix. And I, I need to say it is coming naturally. Like we are unlocking $1 trillion sitting in the base layer. We are basically building a fully Turing complete that you can build anything. You can build L3s, you can build smart contract applications on Citrea. And this makes possible to access to $1 trillion liquidity underlying uh, in there. In that sense, developer demanding naturally, they already uh, started filling our forms and I want to deploy my application on Citrea. And there are other, some like blue chip Ethereum DeFi projects that approach to us and show their interest to deploy on Citrea. In that sense, I. I do not think we need some explicit incentives, but as a whole business and technical team, we want to support early teams and who wants to build some unique Bitcoin uh, applications on Citrea, like Bitcoin-backed stablecoins and Bitcoin-backed loans. All these uh, like unique things that you can build with Bitcoin, we would love to help the developers one by one. And we already have a developer contact form on our webpage. That if you go to citrea.xyz, and you will see the form and we will uh, help Teams 101 to deploy their applications on Citrea. Pretty cool. 
Would the Citria Bitcoin bridge be able to also support BRC20s along with BTC? Yeah, there are some tricks there. I, I don't think the canonical bridge, bridge will support it, but basically people can fork the bridge and build uh, a BRC20 version of it. But for that use case, uh, I, I like the one-way bridge, uh, more than like two-way bridge for BRC20, for example, because on the base layer, they are very inefficient, they are very slow, they are very expensive. There is no way to like build a two-way pack for it. Just basically burn it and prove that you burned it on the base layer and mint it on the Citrea so that you have ERC when you have all the compatibility, you have all the applications. There is no need to like just fill the L1 block space with inefficient protocols instead of you can do all of them on the Citrea L2. Uh, what is the time to market looks like uh, right right now for you? Like, can you give an estimation on this, or is it too early to talk about it? What are some like next steps in your roadmap? Yeah, so there are two components that we are building. The one is the rollup components, and the other is the bridge components. Our rollup component is basically feature complete. In the zk EVM side, we have like we call this zk EVM plus uh, to be cool. <laughs> it is like a our runtime is written in Rust and executed in Risk Zero, so this is one like uh, fast go to market for us. And the other is our code base is forked from Sovereign SDK, and we are using their one of the like core libraries, like State Library and RPC Library, uh, and we are building on top of it after we forked it. So these are like two things that are that made our like rollup process faster. And on the brief side, we are building everything from scratch. But we depend on the BitVM proof of concept implementation, which is open sourced and maintained mainly by Robin itself, the author of the white paper. In that sense, I, I can say Q2 is our target for testnet. Uh, we believe everything will be yet completed in a proof of concept level. Like the latest is uh, end of the Q2. We want to be on testnet. Awesome. Or I want to zoom out a bit and like imagine a world where kind of Citria becomes successful in terms of like user traction, transactions, users, uh, applications, etc., what will be the implications of this in the uh, in the whole like crypto ecosystem? Like so, some of the interesting points that comes to my mind, for example, is like one, I think if we have one Bitcoin like L2 that's being like fully secured by Bitcoin, but you can do any Turing complete applications of it. It can be become an example for others, right? So you can see many, many Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin rollups come come after it, and like together they can become kind of a realistic solution to like Bitcoin's fee problem, right? The fees that Bitcoin has is like very uh, still like is quite negligible uh, compared to like the block rewards and the security kind of relies on it. So that's one implication. The other implication, the other kind of interesting talking point is whether or not like Bitcoin rollups would uh, start competing with, with Ethereum rollups in terms of like mindshare, that could be an interesting thing. Yeah, uh, I do think Bitcoin L2s is not direct competitor of Ethereum L2s, but maybe L1s, I need to say, because in Citra you can basically do, you can just deploy Arbitrum, Starknet, CK, Sync on Citra and you will have trust minimized BTC. And like as the Bitcoin is the most, secure and decentralized blockchain and the most battle tested one. And we know that like uh, Bitcoin is the real currency, the real money, and we are enabling economy using that money. So uh, I do think Citra will be the infra layer on like, we call it programmable liquidity layer on Bitcoin. 
and any application can build on top of it. It can use any alt DA layers like Celestia and Availed. It can use off-chain data build committers. It can be EVM or Solana VM. You can basically do everything on Citrea and it will have Bitcoin security. Uh, this is, I think, important in a sense that you don't need to compare it with the other Ethereum L2s, but all the rest of the L1s maybe in the market. Because you have $1 trillion, you have the real money, you have the real currency, and you, we are building a programmable environment on top of it. So in that sense, I think Citrea will uh, capture a huge market in the DeFi and Bitcoin finance age. And there will be, I think, many roll-ups, but as like Bitcoin DA is quite limited, there will be fights for the DA layer, like people will want to pay more fees. And obviously, if you have more applications, you will have more users and it will win in the long term. Awesome. Okay, thanks for joining. This has been a a lot of fun for me. I hope you also enjoyed it. I'm very excited to to see Citria Vision playing out in the wild. Yeah, I agree. Like, thank you for having me. This is like even for the, all the technicals and like vision side. I think you understand the travel as well and uh, hope I did a good job explaining it. And for like further information, there is always available information on our documentation and community channels. And I can answer one on one every question that anyone can have. Yes, thank you for having me today. Awesome. <laughs>